Welcome to the Success is My Religion podcast, the podcast where we study success from the perspective of African Americans and people of color like a religion. I am your host, Michael Taylor, also known as the Success Engineer. I am a life coach and creator of the Work Hard Philosophy for Individual Achievement and the founder of the Work Hard Movement. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Success is My Religion podcast. I'm here with another episode with uh, Aaron, Aaron Whitfield from the uh, Simple, no, no, what is it? The Semi-Social Life of a Black Introvert podcast. Yes, yes, the Semi-Social <laughs> Life of a Black Introvert podcast. Yes, this is my man. We ended kind of abruptly last episode. So we had to bring a, number, a part two with everything going on in the world, and, and we wanted to add some elements to the conversation as well. So welcome, my man. Um, also, I wanted to give a shout out to all my listeners and my one supporter, um, my, my financial supporter, Khalid, um, one of my students that just graduated this year. Uh, We're going to do some big things in the coming years, getting all these young leaders prepared for the next the next round of leadership but uh welcome again my man aaron yeah man yo i'm glad to be here man it's uh a lot to talk about a lot of tough topics topics i know that we don't necessarily want to talk about or or have to talk about but we're here we're leaders we'll do it we'll do it exactly we we are here to um educate educate ourselves you know talk through the issues at hand and see what we can come up with because innovation doesn't come from just uh, thinking about a subject. We got to talk about it. We got to see different ideas, different, different ways of going about things. But the main reason why we're here is because of all the protests um, after the, the, the murder of George Floyd. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I actually had the opportunity to go down to a couple of protests, man. And, and it's, I took my children with me mm-hmm. and uh, we were interviewed on the news. Um, and so you were, it was, yeah, I was interviewed on the news, you know, it's on, um, here on, I live in Columbus, Ohio, NBC four mm-hmm. and the news reporter, he spoke to me for about 15 minutes prior to, and then we had the interview, which went really well. Um, but then he ended up walking with me for about 25 to 30 minutes afterwards. And he was a white man. Mm-hmm. And, and I had a, the chance really to have a conversation with him and tell him like, yo, you are part of the solution. If, if you are part of the solution to this matter, he, he, it was interesting because, you know, as what typically happens is, is that we can't connect on things because I'm black and he's white. And, and uh, he made the, the, the choice, not the choice, but he said, you know, I can't walk in your shoes. I can't walk in the shoes of black America. And I had the chance and the opportunity to tell him that we're not expecting you to walk in our shoes. Our shoes are good. Mm-hmm. But but we expect you to walk in your own shoes and to be a part of this movement as opposed to bowing out as historically white Americans have done 
since they actually created racism. Like this is part of you are part of uh, part of the solution. So um, the protest. If, if you see something wrong with it, with what the situation holds, you have you have the uh, you have the right. Like it's you that like you you can do something about it in your own way. There, you there's, are- when there's right or wrong, you can do something about right and wrong. Yep. You know, especially wrong, no matter what it is. But you almost have to reprogram this the conversation to them to show them how white supremacy negatively affects them, too. And I think mm-hmm. that's the point of um, that's the point of. Of that's the point of conversation that I think black folks are tired of having. I, I put out a podcast last week called Strong Black and tired as is tired af but you know tired <laughs> af is tired as, and, and yeah. really that's the sentiment that that i think a lot of black america has right now where it's just we're tired of having to teach you why teach you something that that you've created that you can see but mm-hmm. you benefit from mm-hmm. and, and and though and though i spent moments teaching him because that's what you do as an educator you teach yeah. no matter what color you just mm-hmm. It just you just have to teach. It's just, it's just in the heart, but but I get it. it. It's tiring to have to tell people like, "Yo, white supremacy does not just affect me as a black man, but also comes right back and affects you." Because when these white supremacists shoot up, um, they'll shoot up the black church, but they're more than likely to shoot up the factory in which you work. Mm-hmm. They're more than likely also to go over to the schools in which your kids go to school. Or, or, or go into the restaurant that you're taking your wife out for some for some fine dining or whatever it may be a night on the town. Like they'll meet you right where you are too. And so just on that basic level of white supremacy affects you too, sir. Mm-hmm. And 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 you're not protected from this. And, and you and have I, a responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, that's the word I was trying to get earlier. Like responsibility. It's just a responsibility to choose right over wrong if you feel that it is wrong, right? Um, and what I don't think people understand is white supremacy is something that is really, like, nuanced. Like, it's so ingrained. Like, white supremacy is chess, and we all playing checkers. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we all like uh, we we can just do this one thing and, and we'll uh we'll be all right. But it's no, it's it's so ingrained in the the philosophy of the United States of America <laughs> that we don't even understand how intricate it is or how deeply ingrained it is. And Dr. Francis Quest Welsing said, if you don't understand, I think it was her. If you don't understand white supremacy, you never understand the world, right? Yeah. And that, I asked my friends, even my black friends, I asked my black friends, I was like, do you understand white supremacy? Because I think I have a good understanding of it. Um, And I'm just, I just like, do y'all understand what this is? Like, it's so nuanced. It's so like a game of chess that, not one move is going to is going to be the right move like i saw a post up well just today about kanye west and they talked about how kanye west put on the make america great again hat and played the role 
just so he could get some people out of jail. I don't know if it's true or not, you know, but I was like, that's the game we got to play. We got to play the game to make us think they make them think that we are (laughs) a part of it or, you know, just going along with the flow, but also playing our own game. And he was like, the post said, I don't, I don't trust all posts. I didn't look into it too much because I had this interview, but <laughs> I was like, if if that's true, that that's genius. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it is, it's, um, I think, I think unfortunately, and I think that, let me go back. I think that, uh, that white supremacy is much like, I like movies. I'm a movie buff. And so like when the matrix came out, I didn't get it until like the third time I watched it. And so once it once in that scene when Neo realizes his powers and he and he sees like the numbers as opposed to seeing what's what's directly in front of his vision where he sees the numbers where he sees the matrix I think it's almost like that with white supremacy in which you have to have a deeper level of vision mm-hmm. you can't just see what's in front of you what what the world is giving you you have to see you have to see the pattern you have to see the 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 histo- the historical pattern you have to see the history of it all. You gotta the make the connections. Yeah, the through. meaning behind the meanings. Mm-hmm. The, this is the this is the output, but you gotta figure out what's what's driving this force. And so, um, in teaching people how to see it, like, like there's a reason why this community, why your community does not have as many resources as this community does. You have to. Why does your community have liquor stores and and like to teach people how to see it. And even on Kanye's level, you know, I, I, I was never, I love Kanye's music and, and, and uh, him supporting. I saw the post which, which he put on the MAGA hat to, to get people out of prison. And I get it. And if that's, if that's what, you know, his cause was for, that's what his big, his grand scheme of things was, cool. But it says a lot about a system in which you have to sell yourself out completely in order to make a game. Right. Like in which right. you have to sell your very appearance, which you have to you have to put on the makeup, put on the hat, put on um and, put and on do the, the dance. Yeah, <laughs> do yeah, the do on the, do the dance and entertain in order to make in order to make some change. And and to me that's 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 one of the problems with the system the entertaining element why can't you just take what i say why can't why do i have to entertain you before you entertain conversation with me mm-hmm. and so i'm not an entertainer that's probably i don't i don't entertain people well but um but that says it's, it's america's system in order for black folks to be heard we have to go through so many more movements so many more uh things in order to devalue who we are as a people just to be in the same room in order to gain your ear, not even your acceptance, but your ear. That, so, that's, yeah. one, that's one route. And then, because I, I look at people's routes to get to where they are, and, you know, we have to compare. We're tacit learners. I learned that from David Bannon. Um, we're, we're tacit learners, so we have to see it for our own self to actually think, believe that we can achieve it. And you you could take somebody like Barack Obama, you know what I mean, and he's the first black African American uh, president, whatever you want to call him. I don't know what the correct term is, but his route to get there, 
he had to be the best of the best. Yep. And and do it the ultimately right way with degrees and and everything. And then you look at um ownership in the NBA. Michael Jordan, majority owner, Magic Johnson, uh owner. You know what I mean? And what did they have to do to get there? They had to be the best player of their time. Yep. To get into the ownership box. So if I'm looking at it as a young black male that I am, how am I going to be able to get into the owner's box? <laughs> yeah. I got to be the number one. I got to be the greatest of all time, pretty much. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, then you look at Trump, you look at the, uh, the, the owners and the different people and they got all these different routes that they went. And I'm like, I only got one route. If I if I follow in the oh they've done it before you somebody's done it before you so you can do it again no I can't be Michael Jordan again <laughs> yeah I can't be Mike I can't be Magic Johnson again I can't be Barack Obama again like that route was that was their route it, it, it's because it, even you know what you could be even in Michael Jordan even in um and I'm sure and I will bet I will bet that even the owners that, that see Michael Jordan in the ownership room, they don't, they don't put him on the same level. He's not, he's not on that. He's more new money than old money. He's, he's, he's a basketball player. He may be the greatest basketball player of all time, but, but do they really respect his mind? Do they put him on the same level as the level in which they, in which they live on? Even when we look at president Barack Obama, who had to have degrees, who had to have, um, and, and go with, like you said, a certain route. We had plenty of white voters that still, even with degrees, even with the route he took, said that he was, he didn't have experience, that he lacked experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet we put someone, I didn't, but they put someone, other people did, including 6% of the black vote, put someone into the office of the White House, into the office of the presidency that not only lacked experience, but lacked integrity, but lacked um, but lacked moral conviction. Lacked he lacked so much, but we overlooked his lack because he because what he had in lack he he had in in, in strength and being a white male. And we like you said, talking about the routes, white men have so many more routes to economic privilege than black men, than black women, than even white women. But they're not willing to to. to to let go of their routes and they're not, yeah. they're not and, willing to reflect enough to say that we have more routes than you and we're willing to sacrifice some routes for your own growth and expansion. And I, I find that interesting because we talk about equality, equality, a lot of people, and I have uh, white female friends that are women friends that they, they like equality. We don't get paid as much. And I'm like, to win a game, you have to understand what who your opponent is. Yeah. And I, I tell this to them all the time. If you can identify that demographic, I already know what the demographic is. Yeah. <laughs> that is keeping us from be- who we trying to get equal to. You have to understand how they think, how they work to win this game. But you just want equality. Equality to who? Yep. <laughs> and it's And it's the white man every single time. And, and I, I'm like, y'all don't get that. Yeah, but y'all don't want to see that. Don't because I keep telling you, I'm like, 
you have to look at the demographics who we're trying to get equal to because it's only one demographic that we that has had the power since day one. Yeah. And if you want to come to grips with that, you got to come come to grips with that before you can win that that game. You, you got to come to grips with those. You got to come to grips with your husband. You have to mm-hmm. come to grips with your son, with your boyfriend, with your uncle, with your grandfather, who I, I've long said, um, and I said the same thing in corporate meetings in which in which the majority of people that I work with are, are white women. And I've long said that the, that out of anyone who should be able to embrace the plight of African-Americans, it should be white women. Mm-hmm. Because you two, you, you, they, they live so close to the power, yet the system is not designed for them to share that power either. You, you live with the power, you sleep with the power, you cook for the power, you do all these things for the power, yet you won't, you, you'll, you'll reap the benefits of being in its glow, but you won't hold the power. You'll, you'll receive whatever the power wishes to give to you. And I think even mm-hmm. even expanding it, even expanding it, how does white supremacy affect us all? If I look at the middle class white worker, if I look at that sort of white supremacy uh, uh, mindset in terms of the greed, in terms of holding the economic power, the middle class white man and the lower class economically white man should identify also with the plight of African-Americans because your jobs are on the line. Your job's yeah. on the line. It's not anyone from Mexico coming over here and taking your jobs. <laughs> you believe that someone is crossing the border with a robot? The robots are taking your jobs. Who owns the robots? That demographic of the affluent, greedy, white male. And so that's who your and power should be. That's who your, your not your power, that's who your problem opponent. should be. That's, that's yeah. your opponent. But they don't see it. It takes reflection. And uh, one other thing that uh, white supremacy, the nuance is, is that it affords them security. So like I'm fortunate to be around and have a lot of white friends, friends from all kinds of different backgrounds. It allows like white people love security. Yes. (laughs) White women love security. Um, I know I'm, I'll probably get some backlash for this, but like I say it to them too. Y'all, I mean, they love security. So if you're secure and, and we all do yeah. to an extent, but when the security is a system that is designed for you to benefit from, you're not going to mess up that system because you're secure in it. And, and the, when the time comes, when, when real change will happen, is when people are white people are willing to give up that security. So they have to be in positions to lose their job, not because of racism, it's because they spoke out because of race. Like the same thing that Colin Kaepernick did. Yep. Like white people in these positions have to be able to be like, I'm taking a stand, I'm walking out. And uh but they don't wanna they don't wanna lose that livelihood. It's, it's, <laughs> and 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 that is that's the nuance that that we don't understand as a, a whole that they don't want to lose that livelihood because they know if they go against the majority and this is the, with any organizational culture that you can go into no matter who is the minor, majority 
the minority doesn't have a voice. It can get drowned out easily and it can get shut off and it can get um, alienated easily yep. just because your simple fact that you're a minority in that organization, what team, whatever. So <laughs> it's, it's tough because, because you almost have to be, you almost have to be, um, they almost have to be so secure in being insecure. Like, like, like mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a false sense of security. If you have to compromise self, if you have to compromise what you know is right, what you, if you have to compromise your overall standing and uh, your overall sort of um, status, status and position, if a woman has to mm-hmm. compromise her stance as a woman and, t- and constantly turn the blind eye, then what are you gaining from this? What do you, what do you, it, it's, you have to be, I, I liken it back to, um, to like the, um, the black or not, the white father whose, whose daughter discovers the stack of playboys in his, in his bedroom. I think that's, I think white women have long protected white men because like, as you said, for the position, for the, for the security, mm-hmm. but inside and not even, you don't have to search deep, but inside, you know that that you are not on. You may have, you may reap some of the benefits of him being a white male, but you know you aren't on an equal playing field. And how do you live with that? How do you how do you live with that? I think I think it's a time for white men and for white women to be uncomfortable. And, and to and not only just to be uncomfortable, recognize that you you did not live in comfort anyway. Your existence was not comfortable either. You may have you may have reaped some benefits over here, but but really you were really sitting upon a stack of thorns this whole time. You just acclimated yourself to the thorns. And that we have to we have to go back and sort of and it takes educators, it takes people with patience, it takes people being patient whether it's white people, black people, when I'm black and tired, I still have to be willing to teach. Mm, and to mm-hmm. teach about responsibility and to teach about worth to society. Say, you weren't living comfortably before. What's your fear right now? And I hope that with these protests, when I went out to the protests, I saw a lot of young white people. I saw a lot of young white men, a lot of, a lot of young white women and it was beautiful to see. Mm-hmm. And my only mm-hmm. question, I went, I went to, I, I went like the first couple of mm-hmm. days. It, it, it was beautiful. It, it's, it's great to see. And, and yet my, my question is, okay, you're 18, 19 or 20. And this is, and these are the questions that as a 35 year old man, the reason why I went out there was to be an elder to the people out there was to show that, Hey, I may be older, but I'm still, I support you in your, in your, in your energy as young adults, mm-hmm. but also I'm here to have conversation and gain perspective, not only your perspective, but for, for to share my perspective. And one of the conversations that I had with a couple of people out there were, what's going to sustain you? You're 18, 19, 20, 21 right now, in which you are surrounded by more of a diverse atmosphere. Once you get into the job, into the workforce, we almost separate again. We go from having more of a diverse, you know, uh, crowd around us to, I'm going over here to my white people, to my white friends. I'm going over here to my black friends. And 
we separate again. Mm-hmm. What's going to sustain you? Are you going to remember this moment? It's more than just a hashtag. This, right now, it's popular to put hashtag Black Lives Matters and hashtag uh, uh, Justice for George when you're in college. But when you hold that corporate position, when you hold that corporate position, is it going to be as, are you going to still hashtag? And, and, um, and, and one person I told, I told one young lady, I was like, you know, I, I spent my whole life, my whole life as a black man is that I'm trying not to be a hashtag. I don't want there to be a hashtag rest in peace, Aaron, hashtag justice for Aaron, which is why I'm out here marching. Like this isn't mm-hmm. a, this isn't a, a, a fad or a popularity contest for me. I'm not trying to get likes. I'm just trying to live. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm just, I'm just out here trying to live. Man, <laughs> and 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 it's a tough undertaking for us as being educators and and having that. We already have the patience, but then it's almost draining because we have our own lives yeah. to live. Like <laughs> I gotta teach you how, and then I gotta fight you in your own insecurities and and in and, and debate you. Instead of you just listening to yep. what I got to say and saying, hmm, that's interesting. I have to fight <laughs> to get my whole point across. I have to understand. And this is why I know so much about the whole system as a whole, because I had to understand the whole thing all the way through so that I could uh, talk to my white friends. I'm like, dude, this is how it is. And then I have to explain from... I sat with a, a young lady and we were in a sports bar and we were watching all these uh, college basketball games and I'm from Kansas City. So KU is like the number one sport or KU basketball is, is number one in this town. So everybody's watching basketball games. I'm like all these teams like I, I, I don't really like I support the, the kids that are playing the sports, but I don't support college basketball as yeah. a whole. Because they don't pay the athletes, and I'm like, they are making millions and millions of dollars, almost billions, billions yep. of dollars off of these kids, and she couldn't believe it. She and I was like, they don't even represent the the college that they go to, and she went to uh, Nebraska, I think, and I was like, Nebraska, and she was like, well, Nebraska is uh is 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 diverse, and when I went there, it was it was, I was like, look at the numbers again. Because I don't think it's that diverse. Look at the numbers, like 70, 71% white, you know, and like 8% black and whatever yep. at the end. And I'm like, look at that. Like, and they're making all of this money and all this money goes into this. And then I started explaining how it goes through from like uh, a black male in high school and um, how they get passed over and or, you know, just passed through because they're good in, in a sport, basketball, for, for incident instance and then they go on to college they don't really have a life because they're spending 40 to 60 hours in their sport they're not really getting a degree and and her her thing was is that well they're getting a degree you're not really getting a a good degree they're not even in class they're traveling across the the whole world if you're in basketball you playing it in in both semesters so yeah (laughs) well and then you got march madness you gone half the week like and, and then you expect them to get a tutor and and then <laughs> I mean they got tutors they can get the good grades but but still are you getting the full college experience when 
this other kid that has a full ride scholarship can get a great job <laughs> and make money. Um, they can they can do organization. They can do personal development. And these kids get pushed on, and then they have a two percent shot, <laughs> a two percent, probably one percent now with all the people playing sports and basketball, two percent shot of going to the NFL, yep. NBA. But see, this this country it goes back to sort of this the white supremacy element of this country, in which this country has has never had a problem with black people being labor or entertainment. Yeah, and and um. When you see the correlation between the 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 institutions and uh, the institutions yep. of slavery, so there's a correlation between the uh, the structure, the system between those yep. two. I, I I told uh, I told the news reporter who um who I interviewed with. He was like, you know, well, white Americans seem like it seems like white America's standing with black folks. We don't need you to stand. And I told him that we don't need you to stand. Like, like black folks, white America has long stood with black folks as photo ops, as, as uh, we'll be like the picture backdrop. You stood with us to take pictures, but now it's time for you to move. I'm not here to be your, your prop. I'm not here to be America's prop for, for America to take a picture and stand with me and hashtag Black Lives Matters. Like that really is going to change something. No. We're asking and we're requiring of you to be responsible citizens and not just stand, but to move. And and to move takes action. To stand doesn't take much at all. Yeah. But to move mm-hmm. takes action. To move takes heart, takes perseverance. One of one of the things I've really been reflecting on the last couple of weeks is how is how much of my life has been a protest. My protest is more than just I'll go down to the protest and I'll support. But my protest is each and every day as I wake up, as I go to my job, as I as I as I take my kids to school, as I as I run, each step is yeah. a protest. I told them, uh, I told a couple people down the protest, like, for you all, this is a sprint. For me, this is a marathon. And this is something right. I've been running each day for the majority of my life since seven years old when I realized that my life could be taken because of the color of my skin from seven all the way to now 35 about to be 36 for almost 28 29 years I've been Mm -hmm. running this marathon and so I'm trying to help people with the sprinters mentality to see that this is a marathon this is a marathon. If you yeah. think it's a sprint, you're going to get burnt out. But if you have in your mind that this is a marathon, it's going to be tiring. But you'll at least be able to push on each day. Yeah. And I, I tell uh, a lady that I know real good, she has a, I think he, he's from Iran. His, her husband is from Iran. Um, and I, and she asked me what she could do. And I'm like, just just study up on the history and make I'll help you make some connections with um just but coming to grips with what white supremacy is is the yep. first thing and then I told her like don't do anything I told her three things I don't know what the first thing was I and 
I might be getting it mixed up. But the last thing was don't do anything yet. Like your time will come that you will be able to step up and you'll be able to use your privilege or whatever you want to call it and do your part. That's what we'll call it. You'll be able to do your part, but just because innovation and, and changing of character and changing of social intimidation, which is what um, the, the element that white supremacy brings in that social intimidation is like, that that takes time to understand how you have to work yeah. in it. Like like you can't just you can't just say, oh, you're saying something racist. No, you you take in what they say, and you go report or with a coworker, you take in what they say, and then you go anonymous anonymously report it to yeah. HR. You know something like that. Like you have to be strategic with this because if not, people are just not going to show themselves to yeah. you. Yeah, it, <laughs> and and that's and that's why I think with like the protests and stuff, I'm I'm cool, I'm down with it because I understand the frustration, but then people are just gonna sink deeper and and conceal it a little bit more than what we've already been seeing. They'll eventually come out, but they they'll get better at um, the covertness instead of being overtly. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be different. I, well, no, not not different. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think I think it's so strategic. You have to be you have to be guile. You have to be um, you have to see the game, like be conscious of the game. Wow. Mm-hmm. Also, like we've already we already yeah, know you, you got to be <laughs> we, we already been it's, playing. It's, in the it's game. almost like you got to see that you got to know the game of you got to know their game because, you know, it's a game. But you also have to know like the game of the game. And so I always tell people like black folks, not only mm-hmm. do we know the game, we know we almost have there's there's a black game too. And I, I'm a person, I don't play, I'm not playing the game. I you know, in in the corporate setting that I that I work in, I've been told um that you know you always have to sell out, you, you have to sell sell yourself a little bit. I'm like, and for for me to hear that as a black male, I'm like, hey, no black male wants to hear that you had to sell yourself. You need you need you need some historical lessons to figure out why that ticks me off when you say that. Right, right. I don't have to sell myself um, because I make a choice as to where I invest. There's a difference between selling yourself Mm -hmm. and investing. I am an investor. I refuse to sell myself. When when you sell, you don't have a choice. Where you when you invest, you have a choice. I will not compromise. There there are certain doors that I know that won't that have not been opened because I refuse to compromise. There's some things I will invest in, but I will not sell myself because that's part of the game. That's part of your entertainment. That's part of always having to disarm the fact that I am a black male. Every day we have to disarm ourselves as black people in order to gain white people's comfort. You know, having to uh, having to say things like, well, you know, no, I, I'm I wasn't raised in this neighborhood or or no, I, I didn't do that. Or like we almost had to disarm ourselves in a way to make them feel even the slightest bit. OK, comfortable in, in having dialogue or or oh, you're not one of them. No, I want you to still feel uncomfortable enough 
to not consider me, to not put me in the box that you want to put me in. I, I, I'm not, I, I don't mind discomfort in that regard. I'm not a jerk. I'm not mean spirited, but I'm not selling myself for your comfort. That's not what I'm down for. I know there's there's one thing that uh, like this kind of segues into the religion part. Like one thing I learned about religion is that a lot of people uh they they judge people based off their own beliefs. And that's what we're getting with uh white people. They they judge us based off their own beliefs. So I I went in on this this topic, the implicit bias, and I understand that I think I understand it completely because I, I tell everybody this, and I learned this from one of my students, actually Khalid, and I, he was like giving generalizations, and I was like, I hate generalizations because they lead to stereotypes that lead to implicit bias that lead to an ism. So if like people are caught, like we have to see people's frame of reference. So if I have a white friend that works in a social security department and they deal with people of color at their level and they're the, the like these people are the disadvantaged they 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 not necessarily successful or whatever and that's her frame of reference that's her biggest frame of reference for people of color so when she sees me a peer or somebody who is above her in socioeconomic like that frame of reference gets small so then her range of understanding a whole people is locked into that main frame of reference so if you come to me and if i'm talking about white people my frame of reference isn't that i taught white kids or (laughs) it's i have white friends i've taught white kids i um have white colleagues and like i know people that are in c-suite and you know entrepreneurs white you know people that are older than me in, in different positions, you know, I have a whole range of my frame of reference is a lot bigger so I can make more accurate um, depictions of with my, yeah. my assumptions and my conclusions. And that's what I, I need get, to get people to understand is that the generalizations we make, what is that based off of? Because that's the simplest part we are making generalizations about people unconsciously. Malcolm Gladwell has a book called Blink. um, And then talking to strangers, both of those books talk about our um, first impressions and, um, and how we can change those. And, and the one thing that I see that like white people specifically have to have to do is to have those intentional interactions. Absolutely. We already have it on a day-to-day basis. Like we've been living on it all day, <laughs> all day, every day for our, our whole lives. So they have to start being the onlys in the room and not in a, a only manner where they're the leader in it. They Absolutely. have to be a participant and somebody else, people of color have to be the leaders and they have to be the followers because they're not going to get a good frame of reference and I won't even talk to white people anymore, really, unless they've read uh, White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. So <laughs> I, I'm up here putting up requirements. If, if you want me to really speak Look, on it, you got to read this book first. Because and it, then it, it's, it's we'll one of those talk. things to which um, 
I've had, you know, these are conversations I've, I've had within the workplace in which, you know, if, if you if you're white and you work in a uh, in a in a place in which you serve probably let's say 50 percent people of color in which your customer base is 50 percent. I work in a very public place in which 50 percent of people that come to where I work, people of color, different nationalities, uh, East and West African, uh, Asian. There's a level of discomfort mm-hmm. there, and and with with a lot of with some of the white workers in terms of you're not even the, you're not even the minority, but you're so close, but you feel the pressure of being the minority that you don't know how to exist, and yet your lack of reflection when you see you you can't see outside your own box, you can't see that that though. You're not the minority, but you can't look in my lens and see that I am one of, out of 30 workers, the only black male that works here. Out of 37 workers, the only black male that works here. And so your your discomfort, you're so not used to being uncomfortable, uncomfortable because your position of privilege, because of your power. But this is this is the type of things that we, as you said, mm-hmm. we go through each. And every day, and when we talk about white fragility, I just talked, uh, I did a, a short podcast, we'll just release one uh, today about how I'm not necessarily ready to go back to work because I sort of built up my own Wakanda here in my house in which, you know, the individuals are all brown skin. That's all my family, all people I love. But having to go back to work requires me to have to confront white fragility again. And that's something over the past two, three months, more so two months, that I haven't had to confront as much uh, of the of white fragility, of, of white tears, of, of, um, of just that whole element of, of white sort of discomfort and how I have to sort of mentally get back to it. Yeah, and, and, and I... Right. And, and having to, um, yeah, watch your words. Like, why should I have to watch my words? But you can say yep. anything about black people. Watch, but watch I'm my words. Watch you know what I mean? Say. Watch, like, watch no. how I dress. <laughs> watch the manner and the tone in which I speak. And, 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 and yeah. And, and that, and I'm like, and we have to understand that going through life, and, and I'm a highly educated person. And, <laughs> and I have to understand what the other side of that that table who's interviewing me perceives me. Do they perceive me as a, a threat because I am of my potential or or a threat because I'm black and I'm a male and I'm bigger than them or or, or my education or what is it? You know what I mean? I have to analyze yep. that before I even walk in the room. Yep. So. <laughs> and I'm like, it, that oh. probably cost me uh, some jobs, which is fortunate or is fortunate for me uh, because of how, you know, we survivors and we thrive off of anything. But uh, but that's not a good way to go about life. Like, I probably missed out on good opportunities for growth. Oh, you, you, you know, you have, you, you know, you know that there's some jobs that if you are a black, if you are a white male. That you would that you would have gotten. I know that there's some opportunities. I know currently, currently, not even in the past. Currently, if I were white and average on my best day, if I were a white average male 
in terms of performing average on my best day, I know that there's some doors that would have opened up for me. However, because I am black and, and I am great at what I do, I am great at what I do. That's 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 more of a threat for me to be white and average will get me in the door for me to be mm -hmm. black and strong and empowered and knowledgeable is a threat. It, it's it's you have to be. It seems like, you know, if, if you're a, if you're a black person, man, and here in America, you almost have to be whether you believe in God or not. You have to be a person of faith, because if not, you will become so frustrated at the doors that were closed instead of focusing on the doors that were open. Mm -hmm. I know I've been in, uh, in, in environments here within the past two years in which um, in which we had to get dressed up. It was a, uh, a, a more of a corporate dining type of environment. And because I got dressed up, because I wore a suit, um, even though the CEOs were wearing suits too, but because my suit looked good, because my suit was Ralph Lauren is tailored and, and all those things, the very appearance of looking too good made them intimidated. And it's like, but, but you, were, you mm -hmm. told me to dress up. You, you're wearing a suit, but it doesn't matter because your presentation can always lead to threats. If you're a black male, if you're a black female, the very presentation of you is out of your control. It goes right back into their fragility. It's not you, it's them, but it's projected upon you. That is you. And I think right now, I think mm -hmm. black folks are just tired of being, um, I think we're tired of being the problems of this nation, but also when you're the problem, you're also consulted as to how to be the answer. It's like you can't have it both ways. Right. We have to we have to get the answer. We have to we have to yep. help them answer the question. We like I, I tell people all the time, racism is a character flaw. It's hard enough trying to change your own character. Yep. How am I gonna change your character? And 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 like it's not like I said. It's implicit bias. It's, it's what we've been cultured and uh, conditioned to to know about society and, and things like that that go into they not may, white people may not no, they're I not agree. racist. Not all of them are racist. Majority of them aren't racist, but they do have implicit bias and it, it starts from the beginning. Like this country wasn't set up to be yeah. a multiracial country. <laughs> it wasn't founded on those principles. So how are you gonna like the, and and I don't get mad at them. That's why I have some I have empathy for them because they don't understand it. So so I take my time and I tell black people this too. I, wherever you're at, you're supposed to be there because you're supposed to be a representation. Now you, you need to be 100% you and that's what I teach the, the the students now that are going to be our age in 20 years when this country is uh, majority minority right uh, that you have to be authentically you and you you just have to play to a level of excellence that is going to benefit you anyways so everything that is is going on all the adversity in my favorite quote Every adversity comes within mm. the seed of its equivalent advantage. Yeah. <laughs> Every adversity is our advantage. So, like, 
I don't want to play to what white people say are are those uh, white supremacist views or whatever. Um, but there comes a point in time where we just have to be like, all right, this this is gonna make me better. That's where the faith comes in, not in faith in a a, a higher being, but a faith that this is going to work out if we keep working through it. Um, we ain't like character is hard like i think it's a character trait that 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 is it's tough to get over and and i actually i appreciate uh one of my one of my friends one of my zumba ladies she she was like i'm sorry she she apologized for um being the devil's advocate in most of our conversations and and not really listening to what i had to say and stuff and and i was like it's all good i, I already knew what it was i'm gonna continue to to be yeah. who I am, but like I'm gonna give you the truth, or or I wouldn't be me. Like I still come around you. It's a two way street. Like I can cut you off at any time. Like I can <laughs> I can cut off family members if I wanted to. But if I choose to yeah. come around you, I have patience with you. Yeah, I, like, I agree. It's, I, it's, I think it's all good. It's, um, there, there's so many teachable moments, and I think even you know what we said about faith. Like I am a um, I'm a minister. I'm a believer. I, I, I believe my faith requires me to extend love. My, my faith, I'm required to extend love. We can have tough conversations in love. Love doesn't always have to come with a smile. But um, I, I think this is where mm-hmm. this is opportunities for people. And, and as a leader, I, I speak to a lot of people of faith and a lot of organizations and, and a lot of people, uh, uh, ministerial leaders. Like, what are you going to do with this time? What are you going to do in this time that we're living in? How is the church going to react? How, how are you meeting the needs of the people? If that's what you so-called are saying that you do. Um, really, I think like whatever in whatever element you're in, whether you're a church, whether you're a business, whether you are a household, how can you meet both your personal needs and the needs of the world? That's really what I want to get out of people. Like, how can you, it's not just enough to say that you're a household, that you're a business or that you're a church and then put hashtag Black Lives Matter. Let's go beyond that hashtag. Let's go beyond that, that uh, just verbally stating it. Where's your action behind your words? Yeah, because when, when, every time I see a video, we, we want your voice to be heard. We want this. And I'm like, yep, we, we've already been saying it. So, like, that, <laughs> that you, you don't want us to be heard. No, we want you to take some action. And it, Honestly, I ain't asking no more. Like, like Tupac said, like either either you gonna let it happen or I'm I'm taking it now. Like now, now I want success on a level that is mind blowing. It's not a it's not a I'm gonna ask you for a job now. Now you built me up by not giving me that position or uh not thinking that i am wasn't good enough or or i was i was good enough not thinking i was good enough like you built me up and it made me have tougher skin it it made me uh develop some skills that i didn't know 
that I had, or it just made me think outside of the box a little bit. So every year, every time I get denied, everything that happens to me, it is adding on to the adversity that is actually the seed that my seed grows before it even blossoms. Like you building it up to now it's like, it's about to shoot out. Like what Les Brown say about the, uh, the, the bamboo tree, you got to nurture it for 90 days. And in that 90 days, yeah. does it grow 90 feet <laughs> after that 90? <laughs> yeah, it grows after that 90 days, but it had to be watered. It had to be nurtured. It had to be cultivated all in that 90 days before it came out of that ground and shoots up <laughs> that. And that's what like, I'm not, it, the one thing about success. And this is why I say success is my religion. And a lot of people don't know this is success. You either with me or against me. And the only way you can be against me is if you hinder my progress, if you hinder my, my, uh, my growth, like that's the only way you can be against me. And and the one thing in, in uh, Napoleon Hill's uh, The Golden Rule, the, the number one rule is that you cannot hinder anybody else's success. So if I play that both ways, like, I, I just don't have nothing to do with you. But if I know where you at if you hinder my success. And that's what I think black people need to understand is that white supremacy is hindering, like, from day one has hindered our success in ways that it just yeah. doesn't want us to be successful. <laughs> and our only way out is to be successful. And and I think we have power in numbers in that way because if we all individually go throughout life and take our bumps and bruises, but we still are continuously growing and and pursuing our dreams, they don't want us to I get agree. to our dreams. <laughs> and 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 that's that's where I go into like the strategicness. Like we have to be strategic about what we want to do because we get lost in the system of white supremacy that that tells us that we need a job, we have to go go have uh, get a family at this time, and and th- you know all of these different things that are requirements, and 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 we get stuck in it because we have to make money, and we can't really go after our dreams really because. We got to make money because we got to live in this house or we, you know, it's just, we just get stuck, but we got to understand. And I read an article and I'm going on and on, but (laughs) I read an article when I was in college undergrad that it was going to take me till I was 45 to get into a mid-level management position because of the color of my skin, 45 years old before I could even start a family because Dang, I, I'm not making that much money to even have enough to <laughs> to take care of a, a wife and child, even though we both work. But I still want to be there for my kid. Like I ain't giving I'm not giving my time to no job. And I think I grew up without a father. So I'm about to like <laughs> I'm trying to be there. I'm trying to coach every sport like I, I'm going to be everywhere. So, you not, I'm setting myself up to be able to work from anywhere, do whatever I want, when I want. See, I, I, I agree, I agree with you, but, money you know, and that goes back <laughs> to being empowered. Like when, like when you walk with that level of power, that is so intimidating for some, but it's so liberating for the individual. What I find to be liberating in my empowerment, I, I, I've mm-hmm. told uh, some of the managers or one manager 
that I that um that I work with. I told her I was like, you know, I'm not looking, I'm not looking to you for my next opportunity. I I, I don't. You're not the doorway to my next <laughs> opportunity. Therefore, let me go ahead and rid you of that responsibility. Because success is in me. Right. And in fact, and I didn't tell her this. I didn't tell her this next part. But it's like, but if you don't have the vision for yourself, how are you going to have the vision for me? That's wisdom. So so I'm not looking to you to create right. my next opportunity. Success, right. success is within me. And therefore, I am success. And therefore, my next opportunity won't lie in that of uh, won't lie within the hands of a person per se, or the power of a person. Oh man, I'm creating some things that are my own faith. I, I that's the type of empowerment I think that that right. black people really just people in general need to have when it comes to being empowered. That you have everything that you need on the inside of you. The system that is that's sort of meant to keep you down. You have strength, you have wisdom, you have love, you have heart, you have intelligence. You have all these things in you already. And that, granted, there are certain avenues that you have to take to get more, but you don't have to sell yourself to any particular avenue if you walk empowered. And that, yeah. And, and go, from, go from being independent or dependent on that opportunity, depending on that person or whatever, that job to independent in our thinking. Uh, we, we think so. Oh, I understand the elements that, yeah, I need to impress people, but my work already impresses. Like I don't have to go out of my way to do a good job and to impress you. Like I'm doing a good job. The students will, will tell you that I'm doing a good, the, like, <laughs> And I get everything done. Like that, that, like I'm not trying to impress nobody. I'm here for a reason. Yeah. I know I was meant to be here yeah. to help somebody else. <laughs> like, and my next opportunity is nah, gonna yep. come whether you you, yep, you open the door it, for it, me it's, or not. It's, like, I don't. Ha I'm not here for your entertainment. Like, like I. That's one of the things that uh, I, I was told even this year, where it's like on one of my evaluations. Um, that I don't brag enough about myself. Well, I don't need to brag. My work is my work. When you, when you walk in a level of comfort with yourself, and I think especially as people of color, when you walk in a level of comfort with self, in which it's like, yo, I'm not here. I, I don't need to impress you. I, I, spent a, I spent a life, what feels like a lifetime trying to impress you, and I see that didn't work. Therefore, now when I just impress myself, now, when I just know that I do a good work of myself, that I do great work of myself, that's enough for me now. That, that, that's, that's enough, man. When you walk in that type of empowerment yeah. where I'm not, yeah, I'm not here for your entertainment. I'm, here, I'm not here to dance. I'm not here to make you comfortable. I'm not, that's not why I'm here. I'm here not for that. I'm here on purpose. I answer to a higher call. I'm here on purpose. All those other things, the entertainment, the the uh to make you comfortable to to make you smile and laugh nah I man that's part of the position but I'm here on purpose yeah yeah that's that's part of me who I am that's that's part of who I am anyway so you gonna get that depending on how you treat me if you if you make me feel uncomfortable that I can't be myself yep. around you you probably won't get yep. all that I, I'm, I'm, about, get I'm about the purpose of it all I will give you I will give you my love I will give you 
I I am a loving person. I'm a, I'm a person that sacrifices, man. I, I I believe in giving and investing in all people, but I won't be bought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and so and and I won't do that. I am not for sale. My love is not for sale. My body's not for sale. And so, yeah, man, it's, it's empowerment. I think this is the perfect time for people to be empowered. I've been in uh, not quarantine, but I've been. I guess still is quarantine, uh, social distancing, and I haven't worked in like two and a half months. And and I really did. I made it a, a choice to use these two months to build self up and to and to take this level of empowerment to the mm-hmm. next level, to, to the next sort of plateau. And I think we're in great times for people to walk within their power, whether people walk and protest, whether people make signs, whether people protesting their daily lives where the people protest like we each have a form of protest in a way to show and exhibit love and this world is crying out that needs more people to stand up and walk and so what a beautiful time tough time but a, but a perfect time to be empowered though man yeah definitely uh man all the we we all have an opportunity to reset. Yes. Like this was an opportunity to reset, gather our thoughts and, and formulate a plan for what we want and what we want to achieve. And it, I get a lot of people like, so let's start talking. Let's talk the last few minutes about solutions. Like what, what are some solutions that, to the issues so I talk to a lot of white people that say, "Oh, it's 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 your it's black people need to um, be yeah not focus on racism." But you can't. I don't think you can really tell me yeah. what traumatizes me. <laughs> and so, for our white friends, our, our white allies, like. What can we you, say you to can't, them? Like, I think one of the things what, is What to, are we going to do next? I think it's time. It's, it's a weird time in terms of black folks are tired of teaching, but also it's a perfect time for white folks just to sit down and listen. And so, and so it, it, you have to, mm-hmm. it, it's a listening mm-hmm. moment in which you can't, the system, the way the system is designed, you can't just, you can't abuse me and then tell me how I mourn. You, 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 yeah, or traumatize me and right. tell me how I grieve, or traumatize me and tell me, tell yeah. me how that that go, goes out. Yeah, yep, because because yep. PTSD, you don't know how that's gonna play out. Like being being raped or assaulted or whatever, like you don't know how that's gonna play out. It's different for each person. So if like if they don't understand traumatization and how that affects and without without constant. Uh, what is that uh therapy or whatever however you get through it like most of most of like post-traumatic stress syndrome or post-traumatic slave syndrome is a book by dr george degru i i haven't read it all but uh i saw a whole bunch of her uh her lectures online but i mean (laughs) that that is a that's a powerful thing and and all what they're seeing is the trauma the trauma coming out and playing itself out 
And then on the other end, you have to understand the initiation. Like a lot of people, a lot of my white friends, I'm going to call them my white friends, even though we argue about this subject, but they don't understand there's an equal and opposite reaction. <laughs> that's that's basic uh, physics or theory of relativity, whatever that is. But yeah. every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And what initiated the action that led to this reaction is what they don't like to talk about. And it's so nuanced that if you just talk about uh, the data and let's talk about um, dads not in the homes or, you know, funding or whatever, like that's surface level. Like we have deeper issues that police brutality we don't need that on top of black on black crime, which is not even a thing, but <laughs> it, just killing ourselves, you know, like we don't need that on top. Yeah. So we got to get rid of that top piece <laughs> before we can work on ourselves. So like help us get rid of that top piece, which also helps y'all because y'all get killed by the police too. You so almost have to though. I mean, I agree with you, situation. And I think, I think it starts like we've been doing like conversation and listening. I think one of the things that plagues this nation and, and it plagues both white and black America is that we don't know our history. History is not taught well within our school systems, whether you be in public school, charter school, private school, or the blemishes of our history of American history is glossed over and, and made up, and, and it's just it's just made up. It, it's glossed up. We only want to highlight the good parts. We'll <laughs> highlight Dr. King, but we won't highlight uh, we we won't highlight anything else. We'll, we'll pick and choose. And so when we talk and when we educate, we're almost speaking to people that lack education, lack perspective, and lack knowledge. Like it, it, it it's. We're trying to get you from from kindergarten to to twelfth grade and one and, and to graduation in one in one, uh, one conversation yep, in, in one like conversation. That's, that's what I feel like. And, I and to grow up to in America, to actually like literally like grow up, like grow grow up. And so we're dealing with a lot of adults that still have that still have the eyes, the minds historically of a child, and so. Because, you know, I, I hear that a lot from, from white people, too. Mm -hmm. Well, like, well, the slaves were freed in 1865. In saying that, you dismiss the pain of being in slavery for over 240, 50-some-odd years. So you dismiss the pain when you say that. But then in saying that also, you dismiss the notion that after 1865, Black Americans were hunted down for the next 100-plus years taking us to mm -hmm. 1965 in which life was still hell in the civil rights era, taking us to 1970s in which the resources of America uh, were not dispersed upon black America. So poverty of course was, was, was substantial within black America, taking us to 1980s in which crack era hit systematically in black America. And it's like, when have, when have black people had a time to breathe? And I think that's interesting in this time of I can't breathe, mm -hmm. that white America still can't see that not only can we not breathe right now, historically, you've had your, your knee on the necks of black America so much so that we've never really had a chance to breathe. And so it, it takes 
the harsh reality of dealing with our history, not only with Black America, but our true history of America in which this, this nation was not built on freedoms as much as it's built upon blood. And freedoms for who? And that we have a bloody nation, we have a bloody history. But can we look at that history and, and, and with aspirations and not shedding so much blood in the future? That's what we gotta we gotta have those conversations, those those teaching moments and those moments of honesty in which let's lay it all out on the table. Let's talk about it, but let's let's make a commitment no matter what side you're on, or we're gonna use this as a moment of learning, not a moment to, to just divide. Yeah. Yeah, because like it's tough. It, it, it was tough. I, I don't know what the conversations will be like now, uh, but it was tough because, you know, they hit you with so many other questions that you, you try to answer that question and it gets you off the subject and stuff. So, like, I, I hope they're, they're more apt to listen because, like, uh, I heard what they said about Colin Kaepernick in 2016. Yep. Like, <laughs> I know what you said about Colin Kaepernick, but now you're saying that you don't like the protest and you don't know, they're burning up this and that. But yep. in 2016, you, you could have listened then. So th that is the action that you did that caused this. You y'all wanted him out of the NFL and y'all wanted this and y'all didn't listen. And now the NFL really needs to apologize to him directly because he was the, he brought it Here's to the deal. Your, your We're attention. gonna make some choices as NFL, as NFL fans. Uh, we gotta make some choices coming up this season because it, mm. I, I I agree with you to go back to the Colin Kaepernick thing. So now the NFL wants to come out and say you support you support Black Lives and and Black Lives Matters and, and and whoa 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 it's too soon. I have to make a choice as a black man as a black male. Where's my support of the NFL? Now you want to come back when it's popular, but when it wasn't popular, you chose to abandon Black America. And I think this goes back to this to a larger historical viewpoint too, with uh so so with people having a problem with protests. Hold up, but you told me in history class that that the Boston Tea Party liberated America or, or, or was one of the uh the um instances of, of rebellion in America. And so however, however, you know, when it comes, yeah, I right, mean like so, but now it's not cool to protest when it's not about your liberation. Now when it comes to if, if you, now you're saying that we're not that that our protest is not as worthy, you can't have it both ways. You can't say it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yep. and and that's a that's a, a control factor too. You want to control still. It, it, it's something that you're not supposed to control. You still want to control nope. that element. The master and, manipulator. No, nope. We're, we're I, I know your it. games. <laughs> I know your game, and because I am a black male in America, I have to know your games, and I'm more familiar with you than you are of me. I know your moves way more than you know my moves. So I'm not moved by, by I'm not going with your narrative. I'm not, 
I'm not here for that. Let's have an honest conversation. Not as a white man and a black man, but as two men, two women, man and woman, about where this nation truly is. And then we can sort of move forth. But you can't have it both ways. Not with me. Not with me. Not, not, I'm not that person. That's that's powerful. That <laughs> that that is one of the best. Like you, it's, you hit it. It's real. Like it's real. Not not. I'm that, not that. Like you can't have it. You can't you can't paint the story. This nation of it being freedom. I'm not. I'm not here for it. Of this being a place of freedom and home of the free or land of the free, home of the brave. And no, 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 no. Do you hear what you're singing? Can you reflect upon what you're saying? And can you use the knowledge and history that you've learned, even the even the even the misguided elements of history of learning about slavery, civil rights? Can you see why this song, why why Black America does not have as much connection with this flag as what you do? Nope, because people, it, that's what it takes. It takes that level of accountability. Do you believe what you say? Mm-hmm. That's all we're trying to do. That's and we're just trying to hold you accountable for, for what you said. <laughs> you said yep. you gave you said you gave us our freedom. You said this. Now you now you want us to abide by the, the constitution. Like we're just holding you accountable so that we can live in a civil We're holding you accountable. <laughs> we're holding this nation with accountable. You. We're holding so, the, this nation's forefathers accountable. We're holding the flag accountable. Yeah. Yeah. All of it gets held accountable. If you if you cry and tear up over the freedoms of this nation, if you cry and tear up over this flag, a flag that is a symbol, but you refuse to cry and tear up when you see George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and the countless names that have been murdered by this very flag that you cry and tear up over. Mm. It's tough conversations, but we have to have them. Yeah, and that's why that's why I had to get you on this podcast again, man. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It is so crazy, Listen, man. I'm ready for. We, it. I'm always we might have to do it, another man. one here in a couple Just, months. <laughs> when do, when I do, do you, a podcast uh, every Monday podcast? and Thursday? So uh, Monday is like the sort of like the brief preview episode of like let's talk about the last podcast and then. On Thursdays, are like the new topical episodes. I have one coming out this Thursday about um, about the young lady who filmed uh, the uh, the murder the murder of George Floyd, and how Black women have historically okay. been not asked to be uh, witnesses, but have been put in positions to be witnesses to the murder of Black men. And how I, I'm essentially dedicating this episode to to the young lady who who had the courage to film, but like many black women that came before her, she should never have to witness such atrocities. And so that's coming out this Thursday. I'm looking forward to it. Y'all heard it. Yeah, go and check that out. I'll put it in the description. And yeah, I thank you again, man, Aaron. It's always a pleasure 
One of these times, uh, after we get out of this uh, quarantine and, and everything's back to semi-normal, we're going to have to uh, link up and do dinner. And, Dude, and I'll, I'll make a trip to, out to KC. To really I know y'all got good barbecue out there. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, I appreciate hey, it, man. I Check out you. the podcast, <laughs> Semi-Social Life of a Black Introvert Podcast. And I have a new podcast called The Power Podcast. That is P-O-W-E-E-R. That I'm heading up with my brother Kevin Jenkins Jr. So, yeah, new moves, okay. big moves being made. Yeah, all right, that, we'll check it out. I'll follow you. All right, um, man, appreciate I'll, I'll it. Hit you up on social media Thank as you. always. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Success Is My Religion podcast. Go ahead and hit that five stars and leave me a review. And be sure to follow me on all social media platforms at Work Hard Movement.